see those who uh, make the effort to, to come because I know life's busy and there's always things that's pressing on our time. But uh, I'm so glad you're here. Now, we said we were going to do something with regards uh, to our journey uh, so far as Q. And uh, that's an interesting one because you'd like to do it for everybody. And maybe that's what we should do this coming Sunday, our journey so far as Q, and pass on the stuff that we talk about uh, tonight uh, to Sunday. Um, so on the 21st of January this year, we embarked on a, a journey, a new journey. And it's interesting because you think, well, how different can it be? But the truth is, it has been very different. And, uh, you know, I was saying to Anth this week, there are, there are, this is how I liken it. There are some that get on a ship and they like the idea of going somewhere, but then the waves start and you get the rocking of the boat and uh, you've got a picture of people hanging over the side of the ship throwing up and they don't like it and all they can do is wish the time goes quicker and quicker until they get to their destination. And uh, I think there's been a little bit of that since the 21st of January. Um, I think a lot of us have handled it really well because we've liked the idea of going uh, to new places. But then most uh, human beings don't particularly like change. Let's be honest. We like the, you know, what we used to and um, uh, we like the familiar. And um, it, it got me thinking about the whole idea of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Now, okay, they were in bondage, they were in slavery, but freedom didn't necessarily, that journey that they took, uh, didn't give them what they thought it was going to be. And as they got on the journey, I think there was some seasickness, if you want to, for want of a better word, that as they were experiencing the journey, they began to say, hang on a minute, we preferred it back there. And it's like, no, you didn't prefer it back there. You were under cruel bondage. Um, but it's so easy to forget where you've come from. And you look at the, the difficulties of where you are and um, begin to think, oh, this is just awful. When in fact, it's way, way better than where you were. Now, I'm not trying to justify anything that we've done. We said tonight we were going to just do our journey so far and uh, that's what we're going to do tonight but these are my thoughts that I'm sort of uh, bringing to the to the table I mean the children of Israel at one point they said why have you brought us into this desert to die <laughs> and I think there are a few that have thought have you brought us into this desert to die but of course there was a plan there was a vision there was something to look forward to if only they would keep trudging and going the journey to get uh, where they were supposed to go. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to take these illustrations too far and say, oh, that's what, you know, what we're doing. But I always remember um, the whole idea of uh, going on a car journey with children. Um, what is the question that they ask the entire time? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No. And I always remember a cartoon of um, 
the, the Simpsons and it was, uh, you know, the kids in the back of the car in Homer Simpson driving and the kids are just constantly saying, are we there yet? And he keeps saying, no, are we there yet? No, are we there yet? No, are we there yet? No, until finally he pulls in to the car park of this Holiday Inn or whatever and hits a, um, uh, uh, oh, what do you call it that you, in, in America that you put the uh, fire hoses to? A fire hydrant, and he knocks it over. And they, the last thing they said is, are we there yet? And he says, we're there. And that's it. He's like, we're finally there. And, you know, you think to yourself, if you're not careful, if we have destinational theology, like we talked about over the years, that's what happens in people's minds. We're constantly asking the question, are we there yet? When in fact, that should never be a question that we ask. It should be, what's going to happen today? What new uh, experiences are, are we going to have? And what can be revealed to us that's going to just create more life in us than the death that was in us originally? Now, some of us like to arrive. We like to get where we're going and uh, that can sometimes be a problem for those who um, are, are in, a, in, in an environment where it seems as though we're constantly just pursuing a vision or, or, or something else. I want, I want to read something, if I can just turn it up quickly, um, because it helped, it helped me. And I'm going to read it to you. I've got a few things to read tonight, so I hope this is going to be okay, but it's this. It is said that the difference between a Christian and a disciple of Jesus is as follows. Christians are people who have entered a certain sedentary membership or arrived at a status validated by some group or institution, while disciples are those who have started on a rigorous, unending journey or quest in relation to Jesus Christ. Now, I know that was quite a mouthful, but the difference is those who have arrived because they have believed certain things and there's nothing else to add to that. And those who say, actually, this is just an opportunity to start a journey where I'm never ever going to get to the end of what I'm going to learn before the day I die. Now, there's some of us who love that and there are those who hate it. <laughs> And let's just be honest, that's, that's the truth. And we've embarked on this quest, uh, which is not sedentary. If you think about it, how many of us like to get home on an evening and just sit and watch the telly? Some of us do. We really love that. We're happy for nothing else to be going on. And there's others who, if you ask them to sit and watch the telly with, with them, they'll say, this is boring. I want to be doing something. What can I do? So do you see the difference? And... When you start thinking in terms of a community like we are, where there are so many different um, ways of being and how we live and what we like and what we don't like, when you actually uh, offer a quest mentality to a group, there are those who are going to feel, oh, can't we just stay at home and watch the telly? Because I would prefer to do that than actually to be always looking uh, for another thing. So I hope that makes sense to you. So when we're talking about the journey so far is that we have seriously got on a ship and there is some hanging over the edge. 
you know, finding it a little bit choppy and, and uh, struggling with the changes. But then there are those who are loving it because it's like, what's round the next bend? Now, the truth is losing sight of the shore is always hard, isn't it? Even if you know that there is another shore coming, there's a point where you're in this middle bit and it feels very, very insecure. And it's like, heck, what, what does this mean? And I wonder if, you know, uh, thinking back to when we started, I, I mean, I'm going to take you on a little journey in a minute of uh, what we have basically learned over the last six months because this coming weekend will be literally six months uh, to the day that we started 21st and this coming weekend is 21st I think isn't it 21st uh, so it's this weekend so it's exactly uh, six months but um, I forgot where I was now what, what I just said um, oh I've lost my trail oh and I'm going to take you through some of the things that, that, that we've learned. But what we mustn't do is forget that there are others who find the journey difficult. Um, but then one has to say, is this what we've been called to be? And it's always difficult when you feel that there are those who are finding it difficult uh, to have the, the tenacity and the conviction to say, yes, this is what we've uh, being called to, to, to do. So, I mean, there are things that I asked our team the other day, what do you miss? And we went round and said, you know, various things that we miss about, you know, prior six months. And it was very interesting because we're all very diverse, all very different. We all liked, uh, all wanted different things. Um, but what we all felt that was a, a good thing was that we're actually able to embrace uh, lessons on a weekly basis that we can actually remember and apply uh, to our lives. So I want to say right at this point that for me it's awesome, but that's always sad you see, for me it's awesome, uh, because if it's not awesome for others then we have, we have a problem, but for me it's awesome and it's because if I equate the story um, to that of the children of Israel, I know for a fact where I have come from. And it's not just uh, pre-January in the sense of the rock days, but it's going back. I mean, I have been in this church for 48 years. Don't forget that. I know I look only 25, but I have been in this church for, for 48 years. Isn't that just scary? So I know the whole journey that I have made and I know what it is to equate the journey to the children of Israel coming out of certain bondages into a most incredible freedom. But the freedom that they experienced at the time wasn't the experience that they expected. So when they were in the desert... They struggled because they're saying, hang on a minute, it's not like it was. We're missing certain things there. But they didn't remember, and I, I've probably said this already, but I'm going to say it again. They didn't remember the cruel bondage 
And it's the bondage that we've got to remember that we are being released from and what we're being released into. So what I thought I wanted to do, um, if that was okay for a few minutes, and, and in a little while, if, if Ant's going to speak, but then after that, it would be nice to know if there's anyone here who wants to just share um, how you feel uh, over the last six months and some of the things that, you know, uh, uh, have happened or uh, your experience, uh, you know, please feel free to come and take the mic and speak. Um, but I wanted to just go on a little journey of six months and see if I can excite you by reminding you of what we've talked about. Now, before I do that, I want to say one thing. It can be said of us at the moment that potentially we don't preach Jesus. Now, that is a problem to me because I think we're doing it all the time. But some people can say we're not. But for me, what matters is not that we continually preach the, con uh, the concept of Jesus and what he's done, but are we being Jesus to the world? That matters to me more. So I feel that what has happened in Christ, uh, in God, reconciling the world to himself through the cross is incredible and it's a one time for all done deal. And it's nice to tell people about that event. But if you just keep saying that over and over again, what are you achieving other than to tell people about the done deal? That's great. I love it. But I feel what's important is to say, okay, because of that done deal, this is what can be your experience in the world now. It's for freedom that we were set free. We no longer have to be caught up in the chains of of, of bondage that we, we once thought. We have a loving Heavenly Father and on that basis, this is now what's available to you. Now, I think that that's great news and I think that we have taken that journey to say, right, this is what we believe has been achieved through Christ and this is now what's available to you. So, I want to take you on that journey. Is that okay? 21st of January, we got on a ship and we set off to a new world. And um, we said things like, a ship in a harbour is safe. And it takes a lot of courage to release the familiar. There is no real security in what is no longer meaningful. So are you ready to say, I'll leave and say goodbye to that which is no longer meaningful. And we embark on this journey. And then we said, are we aware that everything is spiritual? That we're a big part of, sorry, a small part of something big and a big part of something small. Actually appreciating as individuals who we are. We're not just this horrendous fallen humanity. We're actually one with creation and the creator and what does that call us to be what does that that actually stir in our beings to be and so we, we went on we're all connected there is no separation it's only in our heads that we separated and it's only religion that tells us you're separated 
and we're told all the time, oh, you better sort this out. You better get it right. But in fact, the only place we're separated is in our minds. We were also looking at the fact that every one of us, if we're willing to step up to the plate, every one of us can be the Messiah. Oh, do you remember that week? And if that's the case, we better treat each other as though everyone could be the Messiah. So our main problem is that we forget who we are. We forget that we are stars wrapped up in skin. That nearly blew me away when I recognised that everything, the chairs, me, the stars, the atmosphere, the trees, the flowers, they're all made up of the same elements. You want to scream and say, how is that possible? But it is. That's how fearfully and wonderfully we are made. Now, does this excite you? It excites me because it's taken me from a place where I always felt that I was having to somehow strive to measure up to being something that already was part of one great big thing. Isn't that awesome? It's, to me, it is anyway. I am made of stardust. Oh, that seems all a bit new agey, but I'll tell you what, it's a fantastic thought that we're all made of the same stuff. We went on to say, what I seek is already inside of me. But if I don't figure that out, like the musk deer, do you remember the story of the musk deer? I might just kill myself in the search of the divine glory that's within me, but I'm thinking it's somewhere else. So we keep running and we rub up against rocks and then we throw, a, why? Because we don't know where this delicious smell is coming from. And guess where it's coming from? It's within us because the glory of God has been placed in us already. We went on to say, we are already loved unconditionally. And it's only a judgment that decides what is beautiful or whether I'm loved or I'm not loved because we, we determine that. So we have a God who's saying that we are unconditionally loved. But meanwhile, I'm arguing with the fact based on my judgments about myself. We then went on a journey to expand our present reality. Now, how many of us have got stuck because we say, what I see is what is it? I know for many, many years, I was in particular uh, uh, belief systems because it's what I was handed and it was handed to me, and that was my reality, whether it was my reality in the physical world or the spiritual world in the context of what I believed, that was my reality. And we were challenged, it's time to expand that. Come on, there's more than this. Oh, it's always hard. We're moving away from the shore. Bye-bye. We're seeing it go. <laughs> expand our present reality. And transformation, listen to this. You might remember, so I'm only telling you what we've talked about since January. And transformation happens in the dark. No, I never believed it happened in the dark. 
Transformation only happens in the light. But no, what we have to understand is that many times as I'm going through dark situations, if I'll open myself up, it will transform me. And growth happens in the light. Fantastic. So often our fear is not of the unknown, but of the known coming to an end. Now, I can relate to that by the known is the shore. And we, we feel fine wherever we can see the shore. But the moment we don't see the shore, shore anymore, we suddenly become very, very anxious because something's missing. What is it? And it's, it's that known, it's that learned behavior, it's that learned thing. And yet, we're told to walk by faith, not by sight, and it actually proves that most of us, our faith lies in what we are sure of, not in what we are not sure of. Now listen, faith has to take place in what we don't know, not in what we do know. Now I know that sounds so obvious, but I'll be honest, for me, I found that my faith uh, lay in what I truly was confident in. Well, in that case, that's not faith. Where faith has to be in, is, is when I've left the shore and I'm in the middle of the, the ocean and the, the, the storms are raging and I still have the faith to believe that it all will be well. That's faith. And I believe that that's what we have em embarked on. We have the story of the babes in the womb. I don't know whether you remember the twins talking to each other saying, is there life after birth? Now we talk all the time about life after death, but these kids in the womb are talking to each other and they're saying, is there such thing as something after this? A reality beyond what they already knew. They're even saying to each other, and is there a mother? And, and one of them saying, well, if you listen closely, you can, you can hear her. It's, it's awesome, isn't it? And we've been encouraged to, to actually believe that there is something beyond our present reality. Is there life after this? Oh, yes. And then that week of uh, Mother's Mothering Sunday, what a great adventure that we went on when we actually uh, allowed ourselves to acknowledge God, the source, or whatever you want to call him, as being potentially maternal and mother in that nurturing way that's not just, or we just, it isn't patriarchal, it's not just authority and power, but there is a nurturing aspect. There's a mother side uh, which is very, very powerful. And, you know, there's people out there who, you know, you only have to suggest that sort of thing and you are a heretic, but I think, come on, this is, this is the new world that uh, we are embarking on. So, in March, we had Face Palm uh, Sunday, where we celebrated the stupid religiosity that we've been delivered from, yeah? And, you know, every time I go on Facebook, there's other things that come up, and I save them, I'm thinking, next year, next year next year. Why? Because 
It continues to happen because what religion always does is find a way of, well, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous because um, it just finds, <laughs> I don't even know what to say other than it's stupid. It finds the, the extreme and, and the, the silly and, oh, you know, this is this. And it over-spiritualizes and it, it ends up tying us up in knots. When again, we come back to what I said at the beginning. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. We're not having to worry about the small print on a contract that we've somehow made with God. And then we're thinking, heck, but at any moment, we're just going to find that it's all a, a horrible thing. It's actually trustworthy and it's wonderful. And we've been released into a very wide open space. So we did that, and we also declared at the time we were never going back. Oh, now that's tough, isn't it? Because coming back to the, what I said at the beginning, um, we all want to arrive at some sort of destination, especially if you're seasick. Because <laughs> if you're hanging over the side of a ship, throwing up, you long to, to pull into port, you long to dock, you long to get off, and you long to get to where you're going. But what happens if it's across the, the Atlantic or, you know, some of these journeys where, where back in the day it would take you weeks? You know, people who sailed to Australia, like, you know, it took forever. I mean, what about that? Point is this, we have to accept that we will never, ever really plumb the depths and the widths and the heights uh, and the understanding of who God is and what that means to us. So you better be ready for a, a ride and a half. Yep, some of us like it, some of us don't. Anyway, so moving on. We learned that the whole universe bears the divine fingerprints of a creator. And if you remember at Easter, we, we showed how different films had little Easter eggs and there weren't the little chocolate things. It was... It was connections to other films that said, I am the creator and I'm going to put a little mark there. So we found that in one film, there'd be something, um, you know, there'd be Mickey Mouse or whatever in a little corner on a shelf to say, I, I'm the creator here and I can put my little moniker in there because that's what they do just for fun to say, this is mine. I'm going to put my fingerprint on it. And we talked about those who seek will find. And it was interesting how the children that night, did you notice how the kids spotted them? It was the kids. They could see them. Us older ones, what, what? We weren't even on the page. What do you mean Easter eggs? Hang on a minute, what are you talking about? But the kids, they could see it. Why? Because they are much more quick to get on, on board of a, new, of a new thing and they, they, they understood it straight away. Anyway, we continued at Easter. Liberation from captivity. We said hope is a good thing. And it's that little voice you hear whisper, maybe. Ah, oh, isn't that amazing? It whispers maybe when the world is shouting, no! There's a voice, maybe. Oh, isn't that amazing? I love it. Um, we talked, and it was especially 
special for me to put the clip of the Shawshank Redemption where the guy breaks his way into that sewerage pipe and he goes through the SHIT. Why? For freedom, but also in order to leave something for somebody who was following behind. And you see, this is the pay it forward understanding of, of, of who we are. We are saying everything we're doing, we're breaking ice. We're breaking through that sewerage pipe so that we can get to freedom. Why? Because we want to leave an inheritance and a, a legacy and a gift under a rock, under a tree for somebody else if they'll only trust that it's there for them. Um, so next, um, I can't read this now because I'm a bit weepy. Um, we talked about unconventional rescues. Do you remember the, the one where the, the 33 guys were stuck miles, miles down into the, the earth and nobody seemed to be bothered whether they were going to live or die because, you know, certain security uh, and safety measures hadn't been followed so it was all going to be a real can of worms to open. And yet somebody was willing to make the effort to go against uh, what you would call normality because the, the wonderful thing about that was there was the aim to miss. Do you remember? Aim to miss. What? Aim to miss? They recognised that in order to get to where they were going, they had to make a, a, an exceptional, uh, almost going away from the place because the, the earth itself would somehow bend the, the, uh, the tunnel that they were trying to make uh, to, to rescue them. And uh, it was when the odds are stacked against us, the only way sometimes to win is to be different. Oh, heck, we don't like being different because that sets us apart. And it's like, oh, I like, I like to go with the crowd. Um, but it was just a wonderful... Um, encouragement that there are sometimes these unconventional things that are going to come your way. Just like the five loaves and two fishes. Who would have ever have believed that that would have been the, the salvation of the 5,000? But it was. And if we're willing to look for an unconventional uh, escape, it's there. We talked about hope being the confident expectation that the last word has not been spoken. Then we learnt how diverse we all are, how different we all are and what makes us tick. And this was the key, that we will never achieve enemy love until we master diversity love. I feel that the greatest problem for all of us who profess to be followers of Jesus is the fact that when we hit up against differences, we find that it separates. And for me, I believe that's the greatest thing about Q. We said right at the beginning about the fact that we would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. But what that does is create an environment of difference. And then that requires a great amount of love, genuine love to say, I think differently from you, but I ain't going anywhere. You're my family and I'm not leaving you because 
We don't have to be the same to have community and family. What it does is create a environment where we learn the very issues of diversity love. And we'll only master enemy love if we can master diversity love. So we learned as well that the kingdom of God is like. That night was amazing. The kingdom of God is like a guy who offered his telescope to look at the moon. We, we had all sorts of things like that. And we say, yeah, but that's not Bible. Tell you what, it's as Bible as Bible. Because we're saying, let's use things that bring peace, that bring love, that bring joy, that bring understanding, that bring tolerance, and use it to say, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. So Jesus is our example of how we do church. Ooh, is that right? Well, we tell stories. We tell stories. And we say, the kingdom of God is like. Then we moved on to forgiveness. And forgiveness is a lovely idea until we have something to forgive. Now, come on. Forgiveness is the core is an incredible, oh, you know, the nitty-gritty of what we would call the Christian gospel. But how many of us still struggle in those areas? And so we, we faced it. Come on. When you forgive, you heal. And when you let go, you grow. And it's the truth, isn't it? It's just the truth. And so what else did we learn? We learned that to get out of a rut, remember, you have to interrupt the process of thought that's going on in your mind because your mind is establishing the rut that you are in by ruminating over the thoughts of your past or whatever. And we have to renew our minds. We need a new idea. We need a game changer in order that we can go from here to there. And we either go against the tide or we go with the flow. And remember, to go against the tide, it's going to take some energy because, uh, you know, the, the, the tide is just going and you get with the tide, it's going to carry you along. But if you want to be something different than you are, you have to go against the tide. So, then we looked at love. Oh, that it looks very different to all of us, doesn't it? We all interpret it in different ways. It's been shaped by our experiences. And what we understood is we need to have a grown-up love, not a childish love. See, the child, it's me, 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 give me, give me, give me, give me. And if we carry that on into adulthood... <laughs> it's not very productive, is it? And we've got to have a grown-up love that is not self-seeking, but one that actually allows others to grow. Then we talked about artificial light. Do you remember artificial light? Light that leads you to your doom isn't light at all. And the prodigal ends up at the pig trough. Why? Because he'd followed what he thought was, the, was light to him, but ultimately he ended up in a very, very difficult place. However, in that place of darkness, the light was revealed to him. He says, I will get up and I will go back 
to my father. And the question was, can we let the darkness reveal to us the true light? And I remember the time when we put that video on that talked about when you reduce the artificial light and you see what you can see when you take it away. We're not even aware of what's going on up there because there's so much false that's been introduced that we aren't even aware of our own planets, our own Milky Way, because so much has been introduced. But take that away and you suddenly see. And then you realise people used to be led by these stars. Amazing. They used to fall. And then, of course, you look at the pyramids. They were built in line with stars. So it's all very fantastic. And it's an area that, for us, we were kept away from. Oh, stars. Oh, don't look at stars. Oh, dangerous business. But actually, the stars are actually screaming out. And there's a scripture that says that the stars and the heavens are actually declaring the glory of the Lord. I'll tell you what, if that's the case, trust me, I'm going to be asking questions. What are the stars saying? So you're all very quiet, but Chris is going to go into astrology, etc. because I want to know what are the stars saying? And it's not unscriptural. We can say, yes, Bible says the heavens declare, the stars are speaking out and you know, it's just a new area for us to look at. So we went on to then say, well, how do we recognize true light? Well, we said, well, true light will always lead us to genuine love and genuine freedom. Now, I believe this is an area that we've all got to look at because we all want to be loved and we all want to be free, don't we? Come on, let's be honest. We all want that. But then we all have to understand what are the demands that that place on us because my freedom cannot take away your freedom. And in order for me to be loved, I have also got to be loving towards you. You see what I mean? So it brings us into a very uh, relational place where we see how that affects each other. And if we don't care about how it affects each other, then we're not really being very loving and we're not being very free. See, we said, didn't we, a long time ago that true um, love cannot be verified in the absence of freedom. So we say, don't tell me you love me if you're not letting me be free. And we talked a lot about that's how God is towards us. But we also looked at the other side of it, that true freedom cannot be verified in the absence of love. So if you want to be truly free, you have to understand what then love demands of you and how we move forward. Very, very uh, powerful. So we lovely uh, film that we watched the little clip of when the Hackshaw Ridge, that guy who, and we laugh a little bit because he's such a southern drawl, and he'll say, just one more, Lord. You know, a real... One more, and our Connie can do it so well. One more, but what amazing. Just one more. He was saying, my freedom only exists while ever I can give it in the service 
of, of someone else. It was very, very powerful, that. So it's incredible. So anyway, moving on. Last few weeks, we've embarked on the hero's journey where we've talked about the call to journey into that inward part of ourselves, of our true selves, to find out who we really are. You know, you can be born and you can die. And honestly, you've not for one minute figured out who you really are. Isn't that true? And we want to say, look, let's at least live in order to find out who we truly are and the purpose uh, of our lives. And of course, we also then talked about the crisis of limitations that sometimes can be horrendously uh, derailing for us. But if we'll only allow that to humble us rather than embitter us, then actually we go the wisdom journey and we experience resurrection. One of the slides that we put on was this, a hero is someone who understands the responsibility of their freedom. We learn to never let a good crisis go to waste. Every story has a moment when all hope vanishes, but this is our opportunity to begin. So when I get to the end of me, I actually have an opportunity to go on a different uh, uh, what was that? A trajectory, which will take me towards resurrection. So our rising uh, is necessary, or is only possible if we've experienced a falling. And if we we'll let that humble us rather than embitter us, we will be able to love and live out our, the best version of ourselves and I love this quote. It says, uh, this is Brennan Manning. He says, to live by grace means to acknowledge my whole life story, the light side and the dark. In admitting my shadow side, I learn who I am and what God's grace means. Isn't that just incredible? See, I went through most of my life, uh, and I've said it many times, desperate to crush all that which I didn't feel was acceptable before God. But what I recognised, while ever I was fighting that, all it did, it was a bit like when you want to go on a diet and lose weight, what's the worst thing you can do is restrict yourself. If you say, I can't have that anymore, what are you going to want? Be honest. Seriously. And so basically what the, 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 the church or spiritual uh, people have suggested is that in your attempts to crush the flesh, you will actually be victorious when actually it's very likely that it's going to be the opposite. But what we're actually being told is in the grace of God, if you will embrace it all, it no longer becomes something that you're fighting, that you reconcile, and it doesn't become something that you're actually interested in anymore. Does that make sense? I know it seems weird because people say, oh, you're just telling people that can do what they want. No, that's not true. But the moment we actually say, do you know what? I'm accepted just as I am. We don't feel anymore that we're having to fight a thing. We actually just rest in the grace of God. And that is the healing that takes place because he will give us the grace then to realize don't need that anymore or I don't want that anymore 
But whatever we feel we're not allowed to have it, come on. What If you say don't go on the grass, what do you want to do? See? And God's very wise. He's a great father. He, he makes sure that he says to us, look, everything is, be- is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And so he says, I'll tell you what, you, you have a, a good fix of what you want and then realize that actually it's not what I want. And isn't that better? See, the son in the end gets up and he comes home. Why? Because his father, see, I never recognized that for a long time in the prodigal son story. His father actually sponsored him to go. <laughs> his father sponsored him to go. And for years, oh, it was all about, oh, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. The father sponsored him. He said, get it out of your system, babe, go on. And when you've got it out of your system, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here and it's going to be all right. Do you get it? This is the wonderful picture that we have. This is the more beautiful gospel. So where am I at now? Oh, and finally, can you believe that we're up to date? That this week we had, are you ready for this? Talk about how spiritual we are. Hashtag, be more Southgate. Oh, I love it. I love it. I really love it. Because many people would say, oh, that's not very, very scriptural or biblical. I'll tell you what, it's more biblical than you think. Be more Southgate. Go comfort somebody who you recognize you've been in that place and it nearly destroyed you. And you see somebody in that position and you'll say, oh, I'm going to embrace. I'm going to encourage before I start to celebrate our victory. Isn't that amazing? How lovely is that? Do unto others as you would have done unto you. And we talked about there are no unredeemable mistakes in my life. We may not be able to change the past, but we can redeem the future. Whoa! Now, what a journey. That's six months worth of teaching in this place that has come to you in little five-minute chunks, whether it be in kids' videos, whether it's been in song, or whether it's been in talk, or whatever. That is what we at Q have been teaching. And if you don't think that that is positive, amazing, uh, life-changing, transforming, well, then I don't know what is. And I believe that we're on a good thing. People might be feeling a bit seasick because of the journey. But I'll tell you what, there is some good stuff being learned. And um, yeah, I don't want to be sedentary. I I have no desire to be sedentary. I like to do stuff. I like to achieve. I like to explore. Uh, If anybody wants to know what rabbit holes I go down, at uh, two o'clock in the morning in my kitchen when I'm snoring in bed and uh, I am deciding to pursue uh, various questions that I put into Google, then join me, you know, text me at two o'clock in the morning and I'll take you there, you know. We can <laughs> but seriously, I am wanting to know. I am, I am not interested in a doctrine that is like a bucket with holes in it. I want what I 
believe in what I trust to be grounded in something. And I believe totally in the work that God did through Christ, but I believe it can be expressed in so many different ways. And I believe that that is what we're doing. So I've got, I've just got one more minute just to, to say this. Um, what do I want to do? Because I've got a few things here. Uh, oh, which do I choose? No, because Ant's going to speak, so I want to give him time. Um, I asked somebody um, to give me a, a bit of a, what would they say if I asked them, what does Q, as the church, invite you into, right? It's a very short question, but I mean, it's big, isn't it? When you think about it, if I was to ask you, what does Q offer you or invite you to participate in? And this is what was said, and I thought this was quite amazing. Q Church invites me to ask questions in a safe space. Now, I would say that I don't think we do enough of that, in all honesty. And that's because some people seem to find that hard. Um, so, for instance, on a Wednesday night, I would love to take you more into the Bible and deconstruct and tell you things that it means and what it doesn't mean and things you've thought it's meant for many, many years, but it doesn't mean that at all. You know, I'd love to do some of that with you, but it, fe it feels as though some people find that hard. So we've pulled back a little bit on that, but I think more questions have got to be asked and we've got to do more, more digging. But anyway, the next thing was, it invites me to explore my ideas of faith and belief belief without insisting on ultimate truth. Now, some people find that hard. Well, surely you should be absolutely uh, concrete on what you believe. But there's a lot of things we can't be concrete in our belief about. So are we going to be happy with, do you know what? I can pursue this because actually I'm not quite sure and see where I, where I come to. I'm invited to challenge and question again and again and again and again. I thought it was lovely. It invites me to awaken my soul's longings and nourish them with a, the Q banquet. Oh, that made me feel good. I thought, I'm glad somebody thinks that they're getting a banquet. I can develop deep compassion for my fellow humans and for myself. I can seek and I can find. I can become more empowered as a spiritual being having a human experience. Now, I love that one because what I've learned is that most of the time, it's not a better relationship with God that we need. It's a better relationship with ourselves that we need. And I love that because, yeah, it's our human experience that mostly gets in the way of our understanding of God. And then that's very powerful. It strengthens my spiritual muscles. I can explore incredibly important subjects with my children. How awesome. I can reflect on where I'm at and where I want to be. I can express myself fully, wholeheartedly, authentically, and in a respectful way, but unedited too. I like that. See, I spent a lot of my life editing myself. I wanted to say this. Oh, but you can't. <laughs> it with me. Edit. Oh, I want to write this. Oh, no. We're learning. For me, the most powerful thing about Q is the reality and the authenticity and the willingness to be known. 
And I, I, I really do love that. It's our willingness to have the human experience. Um, be part of a community who is honest about its journey and its challenges, which turn, in turn helps me with my own spiritual development. I can give something back if and when I can. And I love this one. I can say no and it be a full sentence. Isn't that, oh, I love that. I told somebody today, learning to say no for me was one of the biggest things I ever had to learn because my no as a child was not recognised. You said yes. You always said yes. You were up for doing whatever you were told, you know, obedience. And so my no wasn't recognised. So in, in essence, you were, you were trampled on in what you felt and what you wanted to be and what you wanted to do. And while we encourage here for people to step up and, 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 and want to be involved, if they say no, they say no. And it's a full sentence, yeah? And then the last one, I'm invited to live the fullest and best life I can. And I'm going to stop there because I think when we're talking about the journey so far, that is someone's experience and they haven't been with us that long. So it actually comes from a, a wonderful uh, testimony of what they're experiencing. And um, I think I'll leave it there. But I'm, I'm delighted with Q. I will hold the bag for those who are throwing up over the side and I will help them on their journey. And I hope they can see it through with us. Um, but as Jeremiah, uh, was it him who said it or someone else, when they said, come down, um, when he was build, rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem, was it Nehemiah? Sorry, thank you for correcting me. That's great. Um, he said, I'm not coming down. We're doing a great job. Now, sometimes it's hard to believe you're doing a great job when there is no frame of reference for it and it is so different from what you've ever known. But I believe we are doing a great job and so I'm just going to de declare we are not coming down. We're building the wall. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um. There. I'll try not to take too long, so you've got a little space that um, I'm trying to get into the machines here, technology. Um, yeah, a couple of things just up front. One is um, uh, Chris and I will be here on Sunday, and then we won't be here for another five because we, uh, we've got an extended trip to Salt Lake where we're just trying to figure out all the things that that God is wanting uh, to do and wanting to do through us there. So the programme will be a little varied, so please be prepared for that. Um, one of the weeks, nothing will happen because at the end of that five weeks, it's Leeds Fest and we've got a lot of people helping with Leeds Fest across in Leeds. So, so we figured to take pressure off uh, uh, the few that are left, we won't do that. We're also planning on uh, having one week as a, as a fellowship bring and share just to get it here and have a good time and uh, bring some food and eat together and uh, another couple of weeks to try and help ascertain for uh, you personally um, some things about understanding your personality type, your character type, which is a very spiritual based process 
that will help you to understand some things about yourself that I think, I think uh, if you will engage with it, you will enjoy and, uh, and we'll learn a lot of stuff in that. So help those who'll be, uh, who'll be running things and keeping, keeping things going while, uh, while we're away. But like I said, we're here at the weekend anyway. Uh, yeah, so um, appreciate all that Chris has said and, and we are positive and I think the journey is good. And um, uh, sometimes I find it hard uh, and again, sometimes talking now it's difficult because um, uh, the, the, sometimes the need to and sometimes the desire to self-edit is always uh, prevalent and not be able to sometimes speak the truth about things that should or should not have the truth spoken about them. Um, but yeah, sometimes I do find it hard. That's not a negative about the way that we're going because I believe it. Sometimes I find it hard because I feel incredibly responsible for what we have to face and what we are going through. And uh, it reminds me many times of, um, you know, so, so often um, people look at Bible issues but, but don't relate them to the specific situation they're in except for reasons of often excusing those situations. And, and I don't want to be guilty of excusing anything. Um, but how many of you know Moses leading the children of Israel from where they were to where he believed they needed to go, first of all, was not shared by most of the people. Um, you know, so the, you brought us in the wilderness to die. Uh, in modern languages, Moses, what the hell were you thinking? And what the hell are you doing? And uh, I have a sense that some people actually think that about me. That's okay. You know, I made choices. So I do feel very responsible. And um, uh, Moses one day said to God, all right, God, that's it. I'm done. Just, just why don't you just kill them all? Let's have this done now. Just wipe the whole lot of them out. Uh, and God said, no, Moses, you know, I actually like some of them. And uh, I think that's the case. But then another time, which you may not, be aware of. God says, Moses, get out of the way. I've had it up to here with their behavior, their lack of integrity, their dishonesty. Get out of the way because I'm going to wipe them out. And then Moses says to God, don't do it, God. <laughs> you know, pe people will just, they will put blame at your door that I know shouldn't be there because I understand it. So, so you've got this thing going on with sometimes Moses wants to kill them all and sometimes God wants to kill them all. And God's stopping Moses and Moses is stopping God. And I think on any wilderness journey, uh, things like that go on. Um, and I think it's a very, a very honest thing. You know, part of my issue is I want to be liked. Uh, I want to be followed. I, I want to convince. That's part of my personality type. Um, so if I don't see people being convinced, if I'm not liked, then part of me is like, I don't like this, this is not nice, um, it's hard. Um, I also, that one of the other hard things is I want to believe some things about some people and when that gets dashed, because again, in all honesty, you realise those people are not who you thought those people were or would be in the situation that you find yourself in. That's also hard. Now that's not, that's not being critical or judgmental, it's just being honest. And One of the sad things is that Depending on our frame of mind and the place of our spirit uh, usually depends on the degree to which we want honesty. Um, because uh, blessed are the pure in heart, uh, 
because they see God. They see God in the process, but those who are not so pure in heart uh, see something else and it, and it upsets. So, you know, I think, I think in the way that we have gone as well, um, you know, I struggle with some things of, of, of some of the uh, deconstructions that I have to make. I appreciate that we have not built a process of what is known as certitude, which means that this is this and that's that and that's what this means and this is how this all adds up. Um, and, uh, and because of that, I think two things happen. First of all, um, people can feel insecure and I accept that, I understand that, I'm aware of that. Um, I don't know there's a lot we can do about it except for me and other leaders to try and at least have enough confidence for you to feel secure about those who are leading you. Uh, the other thing it does sadly is that if a person is ego-driven, um, it takes away the material that the ego thrives on because the ego thrives on, on information and knowledge and what I bring and what I know. And when you start saying, well, most of us don't know much about much... Um, ego gets really upset and so, so often ego then will, will drive us away and apart because uh, the truth is for most of us, we look for a certitude that to some degree is right, you know, because we trust in God, but to some degree is not right because the certitude we are looking for is a faithless certitude. It's the kind of certitude that says, I've really got faith in God. No, you don't have faith in God. What you're doing is trusting the things that you think you know are certain, which actually requires no faith whatsoever. So I think when it comes down to us being challenged actually to take a journey of faith, whether it's from Egypt to the promised land or whatever it is, uh, we actually discover that in essence, we have a lot of distrust um, and we will say we trust God, but we just don't trust people or leaders. Again, I'll bring you back to the story of Moses. They said, we trust God, we hear God, what's the big deal that you've got? We don't trust you. And so if you read the story of, of Moses persistently, there are uprisings that are saying, you're not leading us right, this is not working, we don't trust you. Now, if you're going to be in leadership, you have to accept that these things happen and these things go. Now, uh, the, the point is you, you, you have two choices. You either turn back uh, or you keep going. And uh, if you turn back, you go back to the security of what you had. In, in Old Testament language, it talks about the leeks and garlic that they had in Egypt, the, the, the flavorings of Egypt they could have gone back to. So that's one choice. You can go back uh, or you can keep going. But of course, in keeping going, you have no certainty, you have no, no real sense of actually what it is and where it is and what it will become and how it will become that. You just know that you've got to go. And so I'm just being honest with you that, that um, while I believe in the journey, I have found the journey and do find the journey hard. So pray for me. Pray for faith and courage and tenacity to carry on on the journey and, and, and keep going with the way that we believe God is taking us to go. Now, um, there's also some other issues that, you know, there's, there's always so much as a leader you can't share. There's more you can't talk about than there is you could talk about in this. But let me say this. 
Um, the meanness, the lack of integrity, uh, the condemning spirit, the unforgiveness that I have witnessed and experienced within the body of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean every believer and it doesn't mean every church, okay? It doesn't mean that. But in general, what I have experienced makes me never want to be that. But to not be that, it's not just a matter of saying we'll do the same things and not be that. There has to be a sea change that says there is a direction that we're missing somehow. And somehow we have to pioneer that direction. Now, of course, there are massive problems with that. The biggest problem that we have as a church, I know what the biggest problem is. People have actually believed what we've taught about freedom. You see, one guy once said, the biggest problem in society is not bondage, it's freedom. Here's the reason. Because we all know what to do with bondage. You're tied up, you're, you're bound, you're limited. You, you, you're, you're within limitations and restrictions, so you know what to do. You cope, you comply, you survive... But what we don't know how to deal with is actually freedom. And yet it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So the problem is, which the Bible talks about, is when people believe that they really are free, they do free stuff. The problem is that that free stuff often lacks love for anything other than self. Now I'm free to do what I want to do, right? When have you ever heard anybody say, I'm free to do what you want me to do it's always oh now I'm free to do what I want to do so we do what I want to do and in doing what I want to do somehow community begins to disintegrate and then when you say to people do you realize that if you continue in this way there will be no community in 5 10 15 years time and they look at you shocked and say well what do you mean well, it's because there is, there is a, a loss of love for the thing that gives us the freedom and brings us to that place where we can enjoy those liberties and therefore pay forward and pay back so that others can actually be, uh, be blessed and brought in and understood. So, so I guess you have this challenge. Do we restrict freedom? Or do we somehow persist on this journey and try and help people to understand that with freedom comes certain responsibilities and with those responsibilities come greater freedom? Because I think the other thing that we've lost, just speaking from my own heart, and I take responsibility for this, um, because we have taught that everything is finished in Christ, and I, I believe that it is, that we are complete in Him, the assumption is, therefore, there is no consequence for anything because I'm already forgiven and I'm already in Christ, which is the dumbest thing to conclude. So it's like nothing will benefit me any more than I am benefited and nothing, nothing will give me a consequence more than I have. So listen, you, you can love God, know that you're forgiven, know that it's all finished, but if you decide to walk across a busy street in the middle of rush hour thinking you're immune to getting knocked over, you're a fool. But some of these things, we don't translate from that picture 
into the process of life and realizing the decisions we make in life have consequences one way or another. Some bring us into a greater flow of help and blessing. Some take us out of a flow of help and blessing. And as Chris and I have had this conversation, the issue is not what's right and what's wrong, but the issue is there's still life and there's still death. And we're trying to bring people into the place of life, but we've also got to understand that there is a thing that's death that we can, we can be in. So, so I'm just, you know, just letting you know what, where I think we are and what's happening now. A couple of things, just... Um, I, still, I still love the Bible. Um, I think what we've talked about the Bible is interesting. We are not by any means saying the Bible is irrelevant or unnecessary. We are saying the Bible has a place, but the Bible has to be its rightful place. And so, so it, it, the writer who wrote Hebrews said this in Hebrews 4 verse 12, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit and joints of marrow. So it says three things. The word of God is alive, the word of God is active, and the word of God is sharp. Now, what's interesting about that, it doesn't say the Bible is alive, the Bible is active, the Bible is sharp. It says the Word of God. Now, do I believe the Word of God is in the Bible? Yes. Do I believe all the Bible is the Word of God? I would have to say honestly, no. I think some of it is human intervention. And what is all the Word of God in the Bible? And I would say no, because if all the Word of God is in the Bible, this eternal being is confined within 66 books of which the last one was written almost 2,000 years ago and nothing more to say. It's like it's just ridiculous to, to feel that. Now, of course, Jesus answered that question when he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that, that comes or proceeds from the mouth of the Father. The, 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 the Greek that's used there and the same in the Hebrew in its original statement is, is a gushing. It, it's a gushing, it's a pouring out or in other words it's a continuous thing that the word of God is a continuous thing that keeps flowing to us. Now there's a couple of things I wanted to say because I'm just, I'm just showing you where I sit in the context of what we've said about the word of God. Um, it's interesting in... in Hebrew and Greek, that, that, that um, spirit and breath are synonymous words. Ruach in the Hebrew and uh, uh, pneuma, pneuma in the Greek is spirit and breath. So spirit and breath are connected and word is always connected because whenever spirit and breath happens in a biblical context, there is word. God says something and when God says something, by breath, through spirit, life happens. So spirit, breath and word are all connected together. So does God have a spirit? Yes, God is a spirit. Does God have breath. Yes, God has breath because he, he breathe, what he breathes out is his life. And um, does God speak? The answer is, yeah, God speaks. All those three things happen. So, so in all of that connection, there is, there is it puts power in, in word, every word that flows out from, from God. I believe that we are working in word that is flowing out from God and I'm expecting there to be life. Now, Another common misconception from that scripture in Hebrews when it talks about 
the, the, the word of God being sharper than a double-edged sword that can divide or penetrate to the dividing of soul and spirit and, and joints and marrow is I was always taught that the word of God cuts things off. So it cuts, it cuts you off from sin and it cuts sin out of your life. When That is again a total misrepresentation. And, and I, I'm just doing this illustration to show you the point of what we're saying. What it, what it means is this, the literal word there is to pierce and the sword that it talks about is the same illustration that's used for a, for a Roman sword, a short sword, not a long sword, a short sword. A short sword was not used for doing that. A short sword was used for doing that, right? So the effect was this, if I can borrow Chris and James just for, for one minute, the effect was this. Come on, James. If, if, if just for the sake of the illustration of the verse, we've got spirit or soul and body, right? What happens is the Word of God doesn't do that and separate them so that we're now cutting off what's, what's flesh and what's spirit. The Word of God, it teaches us, does that. So it actually pierces through. So it's not separating, it's actually joining inseparably. It's connecting them in a way that they cannot be torn apart. So what we're trying to teach you is how body, soul, spirit, how the natural and the spiritual, right, how God and humanity actually connect together, are joined as one, that there is an absolute bringing together by spirit, breath and word of all things reconciled into one so that we are not just made fit for heaven, but we're actually effectively equipped to be in the earth and be Christ in the earth. So, uh, one other thing that I just want to say, because this has been important about the challenge in my own life. Abraham. Uh, Genesis 12, verse 1, classic verse for Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. Hebrews 11 puts it this way. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going, <laughs> which I, I think is massive. I think, I think in, in the context of even belief system that, has made everything so certain. Really, the call of Abraham, who, who is a model of, of, of how we should embrace belief, believed not knowing where he was going. So there's this element of always there's a trust for the uncertainty, like Chris says, of you've left the shore, you're out in the ocean, you can't see land yet, but you're going in a direction. That kind of faith is the Abraham faith, and that, that's what I'd like to believe we could have. However, here's, here's the critical thing, and this, this challenges me tremendously. That verse speaks of three circles of influence. I've briefly mentioned this before. Three circles of influence. Each one is decreasing in size, but increasing in influence. So country is the widest expression leave your country you know you're not personally specifically connected to most things in the context of country it gives you some national identity it gives you some general some some general belonging uh, but it's it, it's something that really you know well it's not it's not that close to the heart and, and then he goes, 
but leave thou your people. So now the circle comes in from this, this wider thing and says people. Okay, so, so this is a little closer sphere of influence. This is, this is probably a little bit more community. This is a little bit more you know, tribal. This is a little bit more maybe people who think like me or what I belong to. Maybe it's a little bit like the universal concept of church as opposed to the local concept of church or the regional concept. But then he says it, it decreases again, but the influence increases. And your father's house. Now the father's house is the most intimate place of connection that he is saying you have to leave. Now, the reason is this. It relates to where we draw our sense of security, provision and belonging. Where we draw our identity. Abraham's identity was connected to Father's house. Now, it doesn't mean everybody has to leave specifically this church or their family or their house. It's a principle, though, that he's saying, what is the thing that you find your most security in, that you find your greatest source of identity? Because if you don't leave that, that will always define you and never the call of God that is on your life. Much of my life, I realize, has been defined by these three spheres of influence. And the great challenge to me, which I could say each, each sphere needs a greater level of faith, a greater level of courage, a greater level of trust. Now, I'm not sure that that's true, but it sure feels like that. I think it requires the same level but it sure feels a lot, more, a lot more acute when we get to this point because we are now being asked to make a separation with that thing of security and influence that defines us. So as a church, as a house, we move to Q because we have to move from the thing that has defined us and been our security because there comes a point in all of that where you're not trusting God, you're trusting whatever Father's house is determined to be. And Father's house can be a way of worship, it can be a way of preaching, it can be a, an atmosphere of church, it can be a way of doing things. But it's Father's house, we find our identity and security and belonging in that. And the word to Abraham was, if you want to go to the place I want you to go, you've got to leave country, people and Father's house. Now the problem is that very often we don't leave all three. Now remember this is, this is a principle of security, identity and provision. And so what happened in the story of Abraham is he didn't leave his dad behind but when he left her of the Chaldees which was his country and his people and started the journey, he thought, but I'm not leaving Father's house. That's what I am familiar with. That's where I find my security. So I'm going to take Dad with me. Now, here's one of the problems. If we take Dad with us on this journey as Q, we'll get the same result that Abraham got when he took Dad with him in the journey from Ur of the Chaldees. If we take what we were secure with, what gave us our identity, and what gave us our provision, we will never make the journey to where God is leading us. And so they finish up in a place called Haran, 
which was neither here nor there. Now, the greatest danger for me is if I lose courage in this journey and we finish up neither here nor there. Let's not do that. Help me not to do that. It's tempting to do that, just like it was for Abraham. Well, if we kind of just look as though we're moving that way and we do a little bit, but, but we keep enough of our security, identity and provision to, to keep us okay. So they moved to this place called Haran. Now, what is interesting, and I have to put this in, is that Abraham had a brother. This brother was the father of Lot, who's the guy that Abraham took with him when he went into the, the journey to the promised land. The brother's name was Haran, funnily enough. And I, I'm not sure what was literal and what was symbolic here in Scripture. I just know that the writer's trying to tell us something. He's telling us that Abraham took his dad with him, but the problem was Abraham's older brother had died. Haran was dead. So the father takes them to a place called Haran. In other words, dad never got older the, over the death of that offspring, that thing that he had given birth to. He never got over that, and so he tried to keep Abraham in the place of his own pain. He tried to keep Abraham in the place of his own sense of failure. So dad could never go beyond the limits of his own failure, the limits of his own regrets, the limits of his own pain, so he stopped at the place of his pain. He stopped at Aaron. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if we, in our attempt to move forward as Q, don't get further than the place of our pain, the place of what has died, then just like Abraham, we'll get stuck in that place. Now, it was probably, probably a, a blessing in some ways, and I hope it's symbolic in some ways as well. But Abraham didn't move on from Aaron until his father died. So you've got this whole issue that, that, that there has to be this shift, there has to be this break. And, and I'll be honest with you, that's what I find really difficult. You know, you, you might think that because of the way we've gone that I don't like what we were. There's lots of things I liked about what we were. It made me feel better. You know, there are atmospheres that I... I respond to that I liked and there's many times that I want to say well let's just let's just do that let's just produce that because I know there's people who like that and I know it will help to keep some people if we do that but you see we can't do the Abraham thing and that and if you want that which some people do then we get stuck at Aaron and we don't move because we're called not just to leave this big thing or this middle thing, but we're called to leave the most intimate thing, the thing that gave us our security, our provision and our identity and be willing to move on. Now, of you know that part of the process was Abraham's name was changed to Abraham. His identity changed on the journey, right? Who he was changed on the journey. The miracles happened on the journey, none of it happened before. God didn't say, okay, I'm going to change your name from Abraham to Abraham. Uh, I'm going to let your wife have a child so now you know that you've got offspring. I'm going to get you to look at the stars and see your family's already increasing. None of that was in place. It only happened 
because Abraham was obedient enough to leave country people father's house. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is this making sense? And this is what I am called to. It's what you're called to. It's scary. It's frightening. And there's two ways of leaving anything. One is in anger. And people do that. And I also know that we dress anger up. I'm not really upset. I'm not really angry. I'm not really offended. I'm not really bitter. It's just that. So many people do, and we mask that. We, we mask it. So there are two ways of leaving anything. One is in anger. The other is in purpose. And I don't mind anybody who leaves in honest purpose. I don't mean invented, you know. Um, and it, uh, again, you know, it's a bit of a, a beef of mine that people who I have ministered to and helped and dealt with who... Oh, you know, do you believe I'm hearing God? Do you know, am I hearing God? Is this right? Is this what God's saying? When it comes to them leaving the church, it's funny how many of them say, God's told me. And they're very clear and very confident. I have heard the Lord. Well, it's like I've walked with you for years when you were always asking me in the insecure. But all of a sudden now you can hear God so clearly. How of you know that might, that might rub somebody like me up the wrong way? Because it's like I've walked a life with you. I've been walking this journey. And no, now, I, I realise we all sometimes need a way to do something. But, but we need to do it with integrity. Not start introducing all that stuff. Because that's just hidden anger. And you can tell it's hidden anger by what the person does next. So I'm going to be a bit pointed now. But, you know, I said some things I should be honest about. If somebody breaks relationship and unfriends on Facebook immediately, certain people, that's anger. Because if you weren't angry or upset, you wouldn't have to do it because you could live your life openly and express yourself before anybody because there's nothing to hide. Now that might upset some people and I, I don't mean to upset you. But listen, it needs to be said because it's not Christ-like, it's not God-like, it's not the thing, it's not loving even friends, never mind loving enemies. And I find it extremely inappropriate, so I'm, I'm being straight out with you on that because that shows that we left in anger. When we leave in purpose, we can keep intact lots of things because there is a purity of spirit there's an integrity there's an honesty there's a beauty that could be embraced by all in the journey so my desire is this that we in what we're doing we don't leave where we've been with any sense of anger but we leave where we've been with a great sense of purpose or another way of putting it is we leave on purpose okay not just in purpose but we leave on purpose. We're trying to leave behind what we're leaving behind on purpose. Not by accident, but on purpose, because I believe as we leave country people, father's house in the context of Abraham, that we're on a journey that God has called us to, and the promised land is somewhere out there. Somewhere beyond. There's another shore. Somewhere on the journey... There's a promise, there's a family, there's all that is on the journey, but it comes as we enter the journey. So I'll try to be as honest as I can. I hope that's okay. And uh, I hope you're okay with that. Um, I really wouldn't have cared at one time whether you were or you weren't. Uh, but I do now, because I'm not on the heroic journey. <laughs> so I do care now, and 
Um, you know, it matters to me um, how I am received and how things are received because I really mean it honestly from my, my, my heart and my spirit. This is about where we're going and I want us to do and, and be that together. So thanks for being with us thus far um, and for your faithfulness and for your loyalty and, and for your trust and, and for your support. Um, uh, but we can't go back. Okay, so if we can't go back, we have to press on. And I would like us to be able to press on in the spirit of Abraham. Because it says, Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God was who he said he was. And, and Abraham believed that he was who God said that he was. And in that, in that spirit, as he moved forward and as he pressed on, that's what helped him to possess the land. That's our hope. That's our trust. I can't give you any certainties. I can't say we will be this by then or this will happen by that point. I can only say we have a hope and, and we've got to try and keep our hope steadfast and certain. And uh, we've got to let that hope be the anchor for our soul. Okay? Yeah. And hope is the confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. And I hope that we can grasp that and embrace that. So, okay. So let's pray for us. Father, we, as we are just here, we honour you because uh, you're good and you're kind and you're wonderful. And uh, we must frustrate the living daylights out of you uh, on many occasions by our human thinking. And yet I know on the other hand that we don't because you just, you know that we're but dust at you. You're totally aware of us and our story. So we, we just thank you for the grace that we're under. Thank you for the kindness that we're under. Thank you for the loving kindness and tender mercies that follow us all, all the days of our life. We thank you that, that just like Psalm 23 says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And so even when we fall, goodness and mercy is, is covering us. So I pray help us. Thank you, Lord. Just I pray for, for every person who, who has set themselves in, in, in trust and loyalty and faithfulness to walk the journey. I pray that, that they'll see many things and hear many things and experience uh, a, a, wonderful, a wonderful knowledge of your favour and goodness and kindness in their life as we see you shine down. And help us to do this together, not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are we done? Or? If anybody's got anything very imminent, then we can hear it. If not, we can go home, can't we? Have a talk and go home. Okay, we love you and appreciate you and everybody who will listen to this on podcast as well. I know some of you can't be here and, uh, and watch it. We love you too and, and thank you for your support and, uh, and we press on. So there you go. Wonderful. We're done. All right. <laughs>